Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. Tune in weekly as Chris answers questions live from around the world and discusses topics in junior development, technical and tactical training, Spanish tennis methods, and philosophies, and more. The Prodigy Maker Show is primarily focused on high-performance junior training and how to help children maximize their potential. The program features intelligent insight from Chris and debate from leaders in the high-performance industry. The show can be watched live on Chris's Facebook profile, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Hey guys, what's up? It's Chris. Episode 34 of the Prodigy Maker Show. Tonight, I'm here with Sammy. Sammy's taking a nap, so Sammy's my academy dog. It'll just be me. Uh, we're going to talk about early specialization and playing multiple sports for young children, primarily focus on junior development, something I've been writing about a lot recently. And I also wanted to touch on some of my favorite sports to cross train for tennis. So I think it'll be a great show. I did have some mailbox questions. I know that I will try to answer at least one. One was on footwork. So we're going to talk about uh, footwork at the end of the show. I think it was a stance question on open stance versus closed and different situations on the court. So we'll get into the mailbox a little bit later. But let's dive into multiple sports and early specialization. It's a really big topic, probably could take up multiple hours. I don't want to go too crazy with the hours. Last show we did, I think it topped two hours. I think it was a lot for people to digest. So I'm going to try to stay around, you know, sometimes we go an hour, hour and a half. I'll try to stay within the hour mark as we wrap about multiple sports and early specialization because I think it's a complex topic. I don't want to go too in-depth into the sports science because I think it'll be a little bit bland. And at the end of the day, we'll end up with a non-answer because I think the sports science is not definitive. I know that it's very controversial. A lot of people get upset when I challenge the, the studies that are out there and the research that's out there, but I just don't think they're conclusive or definitive. And I think a lot of the studies are, are potentially flawed and biased, and they may not be specific enough to tennis to, to make a good, good conclusions. But nevertheless, you have experts in the tennis world now, sports scientists and doctors, especially doctors, who are recommending that children always play multiple sports and that children should never specialize early, that children should take you know, many months off per, per year from tennis to avoid injury and burnout and things like that. And I just think that those types of recommendations are well-meaning, of course, because the doctors want children to be healthy. They want well-rounded athletes in whatever sport they're giving recommendations for, in this case, tennis. But in many respects, I think that the recommendations are misguided and under-supported by the evidence out there. And in the end, 
can work as a disservice to players who are and and families who are pursuing high performance. They're who are trying to achieve a very high level in the game. I think that the most common recommendations that you hear are are a little bit off. So maybe we should talk about that first because, for example, there are doctors now in in the tennis world who are pushing a movement to get kids to take three months off a year, for example, to take significant time off and to always play multiple sports or to play multiple sports until a child is uh, past puberty, maybe 13, 14 for, for boys. And, you know, are those good recommendations? This is a common question that parents have for me. What 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 should we do for our kid? You know, should we play a lot of sports when the kid's young? Should we just focus on tennis? Uh, is there a way to do that in, uh, in, that's healthy, that uh, reduces uh, the risk of burnout, but also gets us on the road to being a top college player or a professional player? So my focus is on that type of uh, scenario, those type of scenarios where a kid is looking to achieve a, uh, at a very high level in tennis, and I have to advise parents on what they should do for their their kid or their or they might have siblings or multiple kids so this is where the crossroads of the scientific recommendations the doctors and and uh, what 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 research there is out there uh, what those recommendations are and the the practical recommendations I have to give parents and I don't think they always align so most most experts, quote-unquote, or sports scientists or doctors will recommend that kids play multiple sports. At least the current recommendations are you play multiple sports. You uh, don't specialize early. The definition of specialization is also important to understand. For scientists, the definition of specialization is to play, is typically to play tennis, only tennis, solely tennis, to the exclusion of everything else which I don't think is a very good definition for early specialization. For me, early specialization is prioritizing tennis and tennis development over your other sports. I don't think I've ever had a kid that I've trained who didn't play some other sport, at least one, uh, to support their their tennis. I, I guess it's possible to be a very small percentage of the students that I've ever worked with and I've had a number of top national ranked players, a lot of kids in Division I uh, for, with scholarships, full scholarships. And some of my students now are, are going to branch out on the professional tour. I've never had you know, uh, a Grand Slam champion. That's a goal that I have. I've never had a top 100 player yet. So I'm working on that. But I've been, you know, I've, I've been around the game enough and around other coaches who have developed players like that to to get a glimpse of what those kids are doing and I think that informs my judgment and I know from working with many of the top national ranked kids in the US the ones that I've developed I've seen how the parents operate and I've seen how much those kids are playing uh, tennis versus other sports and I think that also gives me some insight into what the top kids are doing top national rank kids versus the the others and the kids who are making top division one for example versus kids who are playing lower level college or yeah typically lower level college like division three college and I think I, I have a better perspective on that than some of some of the 
the recommendations that you see from the scientists and doctors who, in my opinion, are, are a bit out of touch. So typically what they will say, you know, typical doctor recommendation would be multiple sports, don't specialize early, wait, you know, wait until the teenage years to, to really get into tennis uh, more seriously. And they cite a few different reasons why it's better to, to do, do it that way, that pathway to the top, rather than going um, more focused on tennis early on to the exclusion of, of, of most other sports. And the big thrusts are, are typically, they say that, you know, you're going to prevent injury. So there's a lot more overuse injury if you focus on only one sport when you're young. And they say that there's a higher risk of burnout. And they say that in the end, you'll develop to be a better athlete. So on all three of those fronts, I understand completely what the arguments are. And I, I think they are it's very important to consider those points, but I, I don't, I don't agree. I think that there's definitely a pathway to the top where you can specialize younger and you, you can not exclude other sports, but you can use another sport or, or multiple sports to, to support your tennis. But tennis is the specialization. Tennis is the, the priority when you're training. And I think that's what many of the doctors and quote-unquote experts are, are kind of missing, that there's, there's, a way to, there's a way for many kids and families to do it in a, health, in a healthy way rather than uh, just as a blanket statement saying that if you specialize early, you're bound to get injured, you're bound to you have, you're probably going to burn out, and you're not going to become a good athlete. I mean, let's just take those one one at a time. So are you, do you have a higher risk of getting injured if you specialize in tennis when you're little? So parents, parents are worried about that. Parents say, you know, what if, what if my kid really loves tennis and he's five or he's six or seven, you know, or, or any, any age under 10, should I, should I let, should I let him play? Should I force him to play soccer or or basketball or some other sport that that kids typically play will that be healthier for him and it has to depend on the kid you should do this from a player centered perspective so if you have a little kid who really loves tennis and i always tell parents this i say i have these talks with with parents all the time we have planning meetings and and discussions and and they asked me, you know, should, how much tennis should we we'll be playing per week? You know, how, how, much, how much should we be focusing on tennis? And I say, do it. Go for it. If the kid loves tennis and doesn't really like another sport, then let's do tennis. Let's focus on tennis and let's try to do it in a healthy way where we don't take on those risks that the doctors and the, the sports scientists are referring to. So how can you do that? Let's take that, for example, as a first example. You have a little kid, and they, they love tennis, and they say they don't want to play anything else. There are kids like that. I've had students like that, and their passion is for tennis. So why not let them play tennis, and how can you mitigate the other risk factors? Well, for one, you can not be a psychopath or like a crazy parent or coach you know you can make sure the kids having fun on the court you can make sure that they're not training uh, to excess 
You know, the way the Spanish train the kids, maybe three hours a day, three hours and 15. You don't play six or eight hours on the court. So if I, if I ever have a parent start talking to me like that, like the alarm bells start going off. If a parent's saying, well, we got to get our 10,000 hours of mastery. We're going to do eight hours a day of tennis, six or eight hours a day uh, with nothing else and no other sports. And we're just going to grind it out that way. I mean, what, what human being on the planet doesn't see the problem with that? I mean, you don't have to be a genius PhD scientist, a researcher, or a doctor to understand that that's not a good plan for, you, for Johnny or little Lisa or whoever you got, whatever kid you got in front of you. That's, that is not smart. And most likely, you do take on more risk of an injury there and, and burnout. Like, that makes sense that, that, you know, you don't have to be a brainiac to figure that out. Don't have to be Einstein. But most, even, even the, the, the mad parents, the, the fanatics, the, the crazy parents don't, don't typically take on that kind of risk. They're not that extreme because if they're smart, if they're intelligent, they understand that it can be better for their kid to train a little less and do more physical work or cross-train in another sport. Usually not too many sports because if you start taking on too many sports, you lose a lot of time. There's just that only certain certain number of hours per day that you can train. And so most parents who are really serious about their kids' development understand that, that in the time that they have, they need to prioritize tennis and, and they need to probably insert something else there for either for leisure or for cross-training or for, for, for getting their, their, putting their, to build character in their child or help them um, socially and emotionally. And most parents understand that that's going to make their kid better in, in the long run. But the idea that, that they, they should, but the idea that they should, the idea that it's, it's so risky to, to play a lot of tennis when you're little can be, can, that, that is a false notion because it can be, those risks can be mitigated. For example, let's say you go back to that kid who wants to play only tennis. Well, instead of forcing them to play another sport, the parent and the coaches can put them on a really good injury prevention program, you know, a good prehab program. They, that'll, that will help to prevent a, a, an overuse injury, for example. Or they, they, they can be very careful with their training regimen, make sure they're not doing too much overhead motion, too much serving, for example, because you can hit a lot of ground strokes for many hours a day with, with less risk than you can if you're doing a ton of overhead serving stuff. So it's, it's smart decisions like that that can allow a child to specialize more. And I use that, that's the way that I refer to specialization, maybe not the scientific term for specialization. So for me, uh, specialization is a prioritization, a focus but it doesn't necessarily exclude everything else, which from what I've seen, that is the, the in, in most studies that I've read and in most of the literature, that is the definition of specialization. There's a, there's a, a solo focus on tennis, solo, and there's an exclusion to everything else. So it's a little bit misleading or people can easily misunderstand when doctors say, you know, you shouldn't specialize.
uh, because the definition is is so extreme, you know. Of course you shouldn't specialize like that. It's too draconian. It's too extreme. Anyway, so you have a little kid who wants to play tennis. They love to play tennis. And I think it's crazy if a parent says, no, you can't play because there's a doctor out there who says you have to take a lot of time off per year or you might get injured or you might burn out. A lot of parents are worried about burnout, the social-emotional aspect of playing a lot in one sport. And again, I think with common sense, the risks of burnout can be mitigated. As a parent or a coach, you have to be very empathetic, you have to be very in tune with your player and feel what they're feeling. And I think it's parents who are tone deaf or parents who don't have a lot of empathy are the ones who they, they risk burnout the most. And coaches too, the same. It's, whatever I'm saying here for parents, it's the same for coaches. If you have empathy, if you're feeling your player, if you're in tune with their emotions on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis, you can manage, you can manage the risk of burnout. You can make the tennis fun for them. You can, you can give them lots of uh, different activities to do outside of tennis to, to, keep, their, to keep them in, in a healthy place mentally and emotionally. So you can make the game so, more social for them even, but within tennis. You know, you can do all of that within tennis without having to choose to play them in another sport. They don't have to play another sport. It's just a myth. I'm tired of reading it and seeing it everywhere that to develop a top player, they have to play multiple sports. Do a lot of players play? First of all, of course, the best athletes in the world play multiple sports. They're athletes. You know, when how many kids just like play tennis at two or three and never ever try another sport, like any organized sport or another sport for fun? I mean, almost no one. It's just common sense. Kids who are athletic, they try, they try different sports. So it's misleading to say that to be a great athlete, you have, to, you have to play multiple sports. It's more like the best athletes in the world, the best champions in the world, they were interested and were good at lots of different sports. It, it's, not, it's like which came first, you know, what caused what. They, they were great athletes and they, were, they liked to play lots of sports. And uh, or they like to play one other sport, or they were good at another sport, or they like they liked multiple sports that they because they were talented in those those particular subjects, and so they probably most great athletes and champions played more than one sport, and then uh, they found one that they love, and usually, in my opinion, they they started prioritizing or specializing. I this is my term specializing which just means prioritize, and they prioritize that sport as soon as possible so that they could get the advantage, especially if a sport is technical and difficult to learn like tennis. Tennis is such a complex sport to master biomechanically, and there's a lot. it's an open sport, open skills. There's, it's a dynamic sport, and there's a lot of decision-making in tennis. So there's just so many aspects of tennis to master. It's a very difficult sport to master. So it makes sense that you would try to hone your skills and develop a mastery uh, from as young an age as possible so you could get an advantage over some of the other kids. The key is, is limiting the risk of burnout, limiting the risk of an injury, especially an injury. And 
The third part is making sure that your kid is a great, well-rounded athlete. And what I mean by well-rounded is not that they're good at lots of sports, but they have very good athletic ability. They, they, are, they are quick and agile and flexible and have a good range of uh, good um, mobility. And they, they are strong in the places where they need to be strong for tennis. And they're explosive and things like that. They have good good coordination, especially hand-eye coordination for tennis. They have good movement skills. You know, all these basic building blocks of, of athleticism that sometimes, if a kid is only playing tennis, they can have some pockets where they're missing. But I think those pockets can be easily addressed with a good training regimen, a good uh, athletic physical conditioning regimen, and a and on the injury side, you can easily develop a prehabilitation program to ensure that those kids are not at risk uh, of an injury or higher risk of an injury because they're playing so much tennis. So to me, it's just you know common sense. As a parent, you've got to be empathetic. You have to use your common sense. You have to know. You also have to have some knowledge about anatomy and physiology and, and exercise science and, and athletic training to make sure that your kid is, is that you're mitigating the risks for your child. Probably have to be, have some background in psychology, understand the psychology of, of childhood development. You know, just to have some, uh, some knowledge in those areas will help you as a parent. If you don't, you can enlist the help of a, of a coach who's trained in that or, or other uh, specialists. But I don't want parents to think that their child, if their child really loves tennis, and I think many of the greats, you know, historically, they, they knew they wanted to be tennis players from a very young age. And many of them played from the womb. They played from an inf infant. <laughs> you know, they've been playing when they were in the crib. And I don't want parents to think that that is damaging to a child. Now, they should be on the lookout. They should be vigilant for the risks that the doctors and sports scientists talk about. They should be on the lookout for signs of burnout. They should be on the lookout for signs of overtraining and overuse injuries. And they should be on the lookout for potential pockets of where the, where the player is lacking athleticism. And, but those things are trainable, and the risks, of, of, uh, the risks in those areas can be mitigated. And that, that's, that's what I'm getting at. So I hope you guys understand. I've been writing about this. I've been posting online. I've been uh, writing articles for my blog about this topic last couple weeks. It's such a... Apparently, it's a very controversial topic because people get so heated when I challenge uh, sort of the status the, the, the status quo, the, 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 the common under, uh, uh, recommendations of, 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 of today, you know, the sp basic sports science rec recommendations are uh, against what I'm, what I'm saying here. They, they, are, they are that you should multiple sports, avoid early specialization at all costs, and, or, or, you know, or your kid's going to get injured, your kid's going to be uh, going to have a serious uh, social emotional uh, disorder. They're, they're going to be. They're going to burn out for sure. 
they're not going to be a good athlete. They can't rate, make it to the top. I mean, these are kind of the messages of the day, the messages, messages du jour. And I just think they're, they're, they're really missing the mark. And they're based on inconclusive data, research. And I, I just wanted to point out a countervailing uh, take on it, perspective. And just, you know, I was just pilloried online. So many people were very ups- upset that I, I would say such, such a thing. I, how, how, could it, how could it be when there's so much research, so much data on this or that? But when you start to look at the studies one by one, I'm not going to do that this show. I could do it another show. I think it'd be a pretty boring show. And, I, and in the end, we just end up in the same place arguing about something that's not fully proven yet. But if you look at study after study, you'll see that, that either the, the study is not specifically about tennis or uh, the, the, the conclusions of the study are, are not clear. You can't draw a, a direct line from, from A to B. Or, or the study may be outdated, or it could be maybe flawed in some other way. But you start, you got to go look one by one, and you see, you know how how the the current recommendations are 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 flawed, and and the idea that you're you're bound to injure your player, you're bound to burn out your player, you're bound to develop a poor athlete if you focus on tennis when you're young, though that that opinion is the jury's still out on that. And I think that's really important for parents to understand. You should definitely be cautious about those areas with your child, of course. Who wants to burn out their kid? Who wants to blow out their kid's shoulder or or have some other overuse injury? Who wants to develop a subpar athlete? No parent wants that. No coach wants that either. But it seems that the current recommendations have shifted so far to, to, to the multi-sport, avoid early specialization model that, in my opinion, it is detrimental to many kids who want to be great. They want to be great tennis players. Maybe they want to be top college players. Maybe they want to be professional players. Uh, maybe they want to win a Grand Slam. You know, they're, they want to be a, a superstar of the world. And I just don't think you, you can... I just don't think those kids should be held back because of some bogus uh, recommendations. That's kind of how I feel about it. So multiple sports for kids. Most of my students play multiple sports. They probably play, I try to play one other sport. When I talk to parents, I say, let's do tennis and let's try to get all the tennis skills sharp. Let's sharpen them. Let's, let's get, uh, let's make this kid into a better athlete. You know, the, the athleticism is a big priority for me, but that doesn't have to be with another sport. You can build a good athlete. You know, imagine hiring a trainer and saying, okay, I want you to train my kid to be a, a really good athlete, and then we're going to play lots of tennis. We're only going to play tennis, but I'm going to have a really good athletic trainer who knows his or her business, and they're going to be helping my kid become a better athlete, and they're going to help my kid with a prehabilitation program. And we're going to be very empathetic and we're going to listen to this player and we're going to train a lot of tennis, but we're going to be really careful, make sure they're having fun and it's, it, there's some social outlets for the child and that, uh, that they're developing a healthy uh, character and self-esteem and, and their, 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 their mental and emotional 
well-being is 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 going is is good. If that type of model is, I think, is very reasonable for a kid who just wants to play tennis. So I think that there are examples of that out there on the junior circuit. Parents doing that, and that's what I always recommend to parents. I say, if you're going to do it, if you're going to do tennis, you got to have those other parts. So does that make sense to you guys? If if you're going to do solo tennis, like really focusing on tennis, you gotta you gotta have a, a trainer in the mix doing the athletic side because you don't want to risk mediocre athletic development. And you wanna have you have to be very empathetic and you have to really f- be in touch with your players' feelings and and their mental state on a on a regular basis. So that can be you or could be a psych a psychologist. I don't usually recommend working with a psychologist. I think the parents should do that. If you have parents who are very callous, who, are, who, are, who lack empathy, I think that is going to jack up the risk for burnout and, and potentially for injuries too. Because a parent who, is, who doesn't have, uh, who can't feel what the child's feeling, they, they, they're going to push them too hard and they're going to be too, di- too disciplined or, or too demanding of the child. And that's where you get all of these problems. And probably the sports scientists and doctors are trying to give recommendations to protect children from, from they are, they are trying to protect children from these types of, of influences, maybe bad parenting or bad coaching. Coaches can also be quite callous and lack empathy. So remember, everything that I'm saying here applies to, uh, to any coach who's, who's working with the child as well. Uh, whether it's parent or coach, these these you know my my opinions hold. So yeah, so you have you have a you have a child who wants to play tennis. If you support them with those healthy things, I think you can do it, and you shouldn't be scared. You shouldn't you 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 should be worried. You should be cautious. You should be vigilant, but you shouldn't be you shouldn't be condemned by the scientific community uh, and by the medical community uh, for that you're going to destroy your kid, you know, because I think there are many examples, and I've seen personally many examples that that's not the case, and that's good parenting, that's not bad parenting, that's listening to your child, listening to the player, player says I want to do tennis, it's not you telling the kid that you want them to play only tennis, or, or it's not some weird dynamic like that. It's like the, you like actually genuinely listen to the player, and you have, you can have a kid five, six years old who says, "I love tennis. I want to play more tennis. I want to play a lot of tennis. I want to play twenty hours of tennis a week." And I think there's a way to do that that speeds that child's development along, but with the right supports in place can also mitigate any of the risks that we've been discussing. I think you can do it in a healthy way, and I think I've advised parents to do it that way when their kid loves tennis. Now, let's say, for example, you got a kid who's not so sure. You know, he likes tennis, she likes tennis, but at the same time, she also likes soccer, or she also likes whatever track or basketball or you know it doesn't matter swimming so now it's more complicated because when you have a kid who likes multiple sports 
The biggest problem that I discuss with parents is finding time. So I think it's wrong. It's probably really bad parenting to say, no, you have to specialize in tennis. That should be condemned. Okay. When a parent says to a kid who wants, has a passion for more than one sport, a young kid, let's say six or seven or eight, and, and the parent says, no, we're going to specialize you in only tennis. And you're not allowed to play basketball. You're not allowed to play soccer. You're not allowed to do this. We've got to get our 10,000 hours and we're going to grind this into, you know, the parents take on that, that approach. Parents who take that approach, that, that is wrong, okay? That is probably ethically wrong and it's going to really mess up your kid in the long run. And they might make it for a certain number of years, but there's definitely a high risk of burnout there and uh, you know, potentially a, a risk of injury. And the injury is, is debatable, right? The research on that, uh, you have to prove a link between training uh, specifically for tennis and how many hours per week and then connected to the, uh, a higher percentage of injury risk. It's difficult to prove conclusively. All of these things are difficult to prove conclusively. The, uh, pr- proving that burnout risk is higher probably can't be proven conclusively right now. And there's not a lot of psycho-social, emotional, uh, uh, emotional research on this topic, especially specifically related to tennis. The last summary of studies that I read, they said there, was, there were no current studies out on psychosocial development vis-a-vis early special, specialization. So that was as of 2015. So you figure there's not much out there on psychosocial development and there's more out there on overuse injury in kids who specialize. But still, to, to prove the link, to, prove, to make a direct line from A to B in those types of studies is, is I think, impossible to do or close to impossible. Anyway... So the, the, the big risk for parents is when you got your, when your child, but the danger for parents is when your child likes multiple sports, you should respect that. The danger is, is to force them to play only one sport. That, that's wrong. That's bad. It's really bad. And it's bad, just ethically bad, morally bad, bad as a parent, but also puts them into that, those, you know, I think common sense, whether it can be proven or not, I think it puts them into a higher risk for those, those potential pitfalls that we talked about. I think it's best. What I tell parents is try to get it down to two sports. I think two sports works really well because then you have a little time for the injury prevention work and you have a little time maybe for other outlets for the kid. You know, they got to have fun. These are children. But you, you don't want to, the da- one of the dangers that I see is if the kid likes a lot of sports and then the parents start taking them around to like two, three, more than two, three or four different sports, then they're not playing that much tennis. From my perspective as a tennis coach, I don't like that because usually the development in the skills, the skills start to, they start deteriorating or the, the excel, the, the, they don't learn their skills as quickly. And so what happens is they start falling behind their peers. So that is for me, 
the biggest danger of doing lots of sports. If you do lots of sports when you're little, many times your tennis skills are not as polished. You don't master the tennis skills as quickly and you can fall behind peers. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be for me and for, for anyone who wants a kid to be a high performance player. I don't like falling too many years behind other kids who are, who are specializing or but I'm using the word specializing in terms of prioritizing. So for the kid, maybe I should be more careful with specializes kind of a loaded word, but for the kids who are prioritizing tennis versus the kids who are doing more, let's say more than two sports, three or four sports, I think there's just not enough time in the week for those kids to, to develop the tennis skills the way they need to, and so they start falling behind. And I think that's a dangerous place to be as the years start ticking by. You know, the sales pitch from multi-sport advocates is that those kids who are playing lots of sports will be better athletes in the long run and that some time in the future they're going to close the gap. And I just don't believe that. It, it, it can happen with a very talented kid perhaps. They can close the gap. But many times, in my experience, the gap is too great for the, for the athlete to close it in developing their tennis skills later. Like, for example, 13 or 14, starting to really prioritize tennis. For me, I would never advise that to a parent. Never. Maybe it comes from my own personal experience because I started specializing in tennis around that age. You know, prior, I'm just going to use those words interchangeably. I don't care what the scientific definition. I just like... I like to be able to use both words. <laughs> okay. But for for me, I started really prioritizing tennis at around 14. And man, that was such a tough hill to climb. So it's a big comeback. You know, you're you're a couple laps behind in that race, and it's really tough. It's and I, I don't think I, I ever overcame some of those uh, uh you know I never was able to close the gap with some of the kids who started uh, earlier than I did. And that, that's a big bummer, man. I, I wish maybe someone had told me to give up basketball a little sooner. You know, I was a very good basketball player. I played high school ball. And maybe my coach should have kind of, you know, nudged me at, at 11 or 12 and said, hey, you know, let's start doing a little more tennis here. Uh, but the recommendations that you see now do not, encourage that at all they discourage that type of conversation and that is i guess where i get into hot water because i disagree with those current recommendations i i tell parents all the time let's try to get this down to two sports two sports is real good you know that's rafa that's andy murray playing tennis and soccer you know tennis and soccer is a great combo a lot of athletes in europe do that that's very common could be anything could be tennis and basketball could be tennis and you name the sport. We can talk about the favorite uh, cross-training sports of coaches and parents a little bit later. That's kind of a fun fun discussion. I, I've, I've written some articles and I wrote a really good article for New York Tennis Magazine where I talked about my top 10 favorite cross-training sports for tennis. So that that is a, a subject that I'm interested in. And I've come across a lot of interesting sports that kids have have chosen to add into their regimen uh, along with of course all their tennis training but 
you know, I really, I really disagree when, when we, when we, I really disagree with playing too many sports because there's how many hours you have during the week to train. The tennis starts to get diluted. The kid spends less time learning the uh, good technique and less time on the court hitting balls. They start falling more and more behind. And I don't believe the sales pitch that they're going to catch up, that every kid who plays uh, multiple sports is going to catch up. So, for example, you have, like, let's use concrete examples. You have one kid, uh, five years old, loves tennis, right? Doesn't want to play anything else. So from five to ten, that little tiger is playing 15 hours a week, 20 hours a week, let's say, doing a lot of uh, uh athletic training on the side with the trainer and doing a lot of prehabilitation work. To me, that's the dream. That's, that's the dream. If you can get that, you're going to have a kid at 10 who's so far ahead of other 10-year-olds, it's going to be unbelievable. Or let's say from 5 to 12. By the time, when that kid's 12, I mean, for me, those are the kids that have a chance to maybe go on tour before college. Those are these are the the Coco Goffs and the and the the Sophia Kennans and the really special prodigies, the Martina Hingises and and the Agassiz and the Rafa Nadal's. You know these these are players who are are so many years ahead of their peers that they're able to go on tour before years before other kids other kids who are, are their age. You know. And there's many, many other examples of that. I'm sure you guys can, can think of it, you know. Guys, I appreciate your waves. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. I see all of you out there. I appreciate all the uh, support you guys give the show. Thank you for tuning in live. It's Thursday night. Excited to be rapping with you guys, talking a little early specialization in multiple sports. So many, many kids start that way and yeah maybe they do like a little other maybe they do another sport on the side you know that that kid could do a little soccer or a little something or else or whatever you know you have to be really careful with the with believing that the other sports here's another myth you have to be really careful that a uh, quick myth be very careful with the idea that if you play other sports your kid's going to be a balanced athlete and your kid's going to prevent injuries that's a myth. There are, there are some sports that complement tennis really well and some sports that don't. In a recent essay that I wrote, I mentioned, for example, the sport of swimming. So in tennis, if you're doing a lot of serving, which you shouldn't be doing when the kids are young anyway, you shouldn't be doing a t too much serving. That, that, that's like one of the big risk factors for a shoulder injury. But let's say you're, doing, you're serving, right? And on the side, your kid loves to swim and your kid's doing a lot of freestyle swimming. Well, that's also overhand movement. So now you're overloading the shoulder or shoulders and you create a, a double risk of injury in the shoulder. But, but you thought as a parent that you're doing multiple sports and so you're doing the healthy thing for your kids. So you just have to be really specific and really understand what each sport your child's doing, what those sports are contributing to their overall athleticism how they're wearing on the body and 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 also the positive aspects too so you just have to understand very very 
clearly what the positives and negatives are of every sport that you choose for your kid in terms of their athletic development. And I just think the, the, the easiest way to do it and, and the easiest for time is if your kid wants to do another sport, you sort of have a talk with them and you say, all right, we'll, we'll do one other sport and that'll be sort of, they'll have these two sports going on. Tennis will be the priority and we'll have this secondary sport. You know, a lot of kids in Europe like to do soccer and that's fine. Soccer is a good complementary sport for tennis. We can talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, because it's great for the footwork. It builds good endurance. It's very good in the, in the eye-foot eye coordination and, you know, it... it it's uh, healthy that way for tennis, but but you try to get it down to two sports, like the way Rafa did it, you know, tennis and soccer. Uh, but and Tony, Tony, Uncle Tony admits this, and he says he should have done more uh, injury prevention work for Rafa. You know, he should have done more uh, strength and conditioning work for Rafa. They really didn't do anything. He said when when Rafa was a kid, they didn't they didn't do any off court work like that. It was just sort of. Uh, tennis, the training in tennis, and the, and his soccer training, and the, and Tony says if he were going to do it again, he would make sure he did more injury prevention work with Rafa, and I think that's a a very smart observation from Tony, and and very honest of him to admit that at that time he thought that just tennis and soccer was enough, and oftentimes the other sports that you're doing are not enough. There are there are positives to every sport. They they work certain areas of the body. You have to understand how the sports, each sport affects the body physiologically. And there are, there are negatives to every sport too. So you really have to be uh, clear about what each sport is doing for your kid in a positive, negative way. And you, uh, the, the best way to be safe is just to have a good prehab program, I, I think. And I always recommend that to parents is, is just get, make sure no matter what sports you're doing, is to just in case there's anything slipping through the cracks or you're, you're, there's, there's some pockets where we're missing uh, injury prevention is to, is to craft a program specifically for prehab and also for uh, just a simple athleticism program because you can't always rely on, on this, uh, the other sport or the other sports to develop the athlete. Usually kids who play lots of sports are going to become very well-rounded athletes, but there, all, there, there may be detriments, you know, uh, if a kid, you know, sometimes you have a kid who is, uh, loves tennis and they're playing soccer. Let's say they're playing soccer, but they really like to be goalie. Or they're playing a sport that is not, doesn't build agility that well. Or doesn't build stamina that well. Or whatever other athletic, you know, skill or facet that you want for your child. You, you have to be aware of that and and maybe train it in train it in some uh, train it in in a different way because the sport's not going to supply that if the kid is playing goalie that's going to be really good for their reactions like their eyes uh quick hands you know quick reaction it's not going to do much for their stamina not going to do much not much for their footwork and movement you know their 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 coordination maybe a little bit, but you just have to understand not only the sports but what your child is doing in the sport, the positions they're playing. You know, it's just such a myth when people say, "Oh, you play basketball, play soccer, play other sports, and your kid will is guaranteed to be injury free, less likely to have an injury, and more likely to be a better athlete." Sort of true, but also could be very false. For example, another example: your your kid plays on a team but they're, they're riding the bench a lot. 
You know, that's not a really good use of their time. The sport only works if the kid's playing a lot. The other sports only work if the kids are, 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 are using the body in a way that's going to help them athletically for tennis. So you just have to understand the, the, the important specific uh, aspects of each sport. And also just practically, is your kid playing enough of the sport? Is it a good use of their time? Many times playing in an organized team, on an organized team, may not be the best use of their time if they're really serious about becoming a great tennis player. So again, getting back to my example, you have a kid, one example, 5 to 12, playing mostly tennis, which is still not the scientific definition of specialization, but in my mind, they're specializing, they're prioritizing tennis, and then maybe supplementing with another sport, let's say soccer, for example, and then doing a, a little bit of prehab training. And then the, it's the parent or coach's job to look at the kid and say, okay, are we missing anything athletically here? You know, does this kid need more agility training? Does this kid need a little more coordination training? Does the kid uh, struggle in some other facet of their athleticism? And then you, you have to plug that in. It's not enough to just say, oh, we're playing, playing, we're playing soccer, so my kid's a great athlete now, right? He's going to be a great athlete, guaranteed. And I think it's wrong to try to, it's in fact inefficient to try to get that athleticism with multiple, too many sports. You know, it's, it's much more efficient to train the kid uh, specifically on what they need athletically than to like do soccer, basketball, track and field, whatever whatever other sports you know it's just it's just too it's not efficient to do it that way it's much better uh just to train it in it saves a lot of time and time is an important factor if you're trying to develop a champion and i've done podcasts on this on the time time is important your use of time you know uh, achieving mastery in a certain amount of time so then you have a uh, this is where it gets tricky because if you have another little little champion right five years old they're not ready to specialize in tennis. Please, God, don't force them to play only tennis because that's going to mess that kid up. I know, I know it. I don't need a research. Stuff. I'm a dad with four kids, and I just don't need any conclusive scientific evidence because I don't think it's quite out there. <coughs> Despite what what the what what uh, my critics say, I just know from common sense. If you take that kid and you force them into only tennis, it's going to end up bad. It's going to end up bad one way or the other. So please don't do that. Let them play uh, their other, uh, another sport or two for in, in, the, in the interim, but try to, try to steer them towards one other sport that they really like. Try to get it down to two sports. That way you have much better time management. And the kid's getting all of the, you know, the athletic benefits of playing another sport. And that leaves you a little time to fill in pockets of athletic uh, conditioning where they might need it and also to fill in a little bit of, of prehabilitation for that child, injury prevention work. Because if they're just doing three sports or four sports, it's going to be really hard to find the time for prehab. It's going to be hard to find the time for the maybe the specific athletic conditioning that they might need, specific to them, you know, rather than just getting it generically through lots, lots of uh, sports, which I think is rather inefficient but with that type of kid it can be for me the biggest risk is let's say by the time they turn 12 if the parent is 
allowing them to play too many sports, they're going to be a, a, a probably a pretty good athlete at 12, but they're going to be so far behind the kid who was specializing 5 to 12 that I don't think they'll be able to catch up. The only exception would be just an off-the-charts athlete, like a Yannick uh, Sinner, you know, like, like Sinner is an example of, of just a, off the top of my head, you know, who was doing a, another sport, started concentrating on tennis at late age, and was able to make top 100 within a, just a few years. I mean, that is, that is incredible, and, and just a testament to his uh, talent as an athlete, but I certainly wouldn't use that as a model for development for most children. And I think that in many respects, and this also gets me into trouble when I say this, but the, the, the less your kid's talent is, the more they should be specializing early. And I think I've heard people say it the opposite way, like if, if they're, they're really talented, they, they, um, they should specialize early. And that's that's probably true too. So I guess I feel for both because tennis is so hard to learn. I think if you're really talented, yeah, you should probably uh, get the head start and learn as much as you can, as fast as you can, so you can develop mastery sooner. But on the other hand, if you're not that talented, please, God, don't wait until 14 to specialize in tennis because you're, you're just going to be so far behind the curve. You're going to be so far behind in the race against the other children uh, that you're not going to catch up. And, and what I find is the kids who are decent to good athletes, if they're waiting really long, like to 13 or 14 to specialize in tennis, they're going to end up you know, somewhere in playing college ball, probably low-level college ball. And they don't have a, a, a chance in hell of playing professional tennis. Now, you take a, the same kid who's a decent to good athlete, and if they have a passion for tennis and they're five, six years old, seven years old, and they really go after their skills at that young age, and, they're able, and the parents are able to guide them and focus them there and do it in a healthy way, keep them from getting burnt out, keep them from getting hurt through overuse. Now, you, that kid who's just moderately talented really could play high-level college tennis, could be a Div Division I recruit, uh, full scholarship player, could probably uh, be successful on the Pro Tour, probably won't be, will, will not be a Grand Slam winner, will not be a superstar on the Pro Tour, but could be a pretty decent journeyman. You know, that's how I see that. And you just never hear, you never hear this discussion from the scientists and the doctors, the experts. You, you, I, I'm sure some, I, I know many coaches may agree with me, but a lot of coaches don't. Man, it's such such a divisive issue. I, I had no clue, I had no idea it was such a hot button topic. You know, people are up in arms when I started talking like this. Uh, I posted some articles online, and people are really upset. Like I'm, I, what I'm saying is way uh, very very harmful to children. I, I think it's the opposite. It respects children, and it's it's player centered. My philosophy, my approach. So that's the way I see it, guys. I, I would caution you as a parent and any coaches who are listening or watching the show is don't, don't hold your kids back. If they love tennis, let them play tennis. Just make sure that they have a good prehab program in place and a good athletic 
program in place and that please, please listen to your child. Use common sense and don't over-train them and don't over-demand from them. Be careful. Be careful and be, be empathetic. Listen to your child and, and feel what they're feeling and, and make adjustments as you go along the journey. And if you do that, I think you can play tennis and specialize in tennis at a very young age. On the flip side, if you have a kid who is not sure about tennis, please, please, God, don't force them to play tennis because you think it's the only way. You're going to have to bring them to the top in a slightly different pathway. And for me, that pathway is guiding them not to play three or four sports, but to try to play really just one supplementary sport. And also for them, make sure that they have good athletic development, filling in any athletic gaps that are missing, and you have a strong prehabilitation program in place. Because after all, playing the other sport or if you have to play two sports, you can do it. It's just a time time factor. It's not always going to ensure that they're healthy and injury-free. So those are my basic recommendations to parents and also any coaches. You've got to make sure you don't fall too far behind in the tennis skills. If you fall too far behind in the race, there's just, there's just a gap that grows that you cannot you cannot leap you cannot leap over, you cannot catch up at some point to the kids who are early specializers. So you have to understand that and make sure that even when your kid is playing multiple sports, that they're getting a lot of good tennis training, a lot of hours on the court, they're getting a lot of good skills and technical development because tennis is such a technical sport. They have to have that good biomechanical base. If you do that, when they get older and they get mature enough and they start thinking about specializing in tennis, let's say at hopefully by 10 or 11 or 12, hopefully not too long, that that, that gap will be minimized and that they'll be able to catch up to their peers or the, the kids who are ahead of them. That's really important, to minimize the gap. So that, that would be my bottom line advice to you. If you have a multi-sport kid, you have a kid, don't shut them down, don't force them to play only tennis. But make sure that the gap, that the chasm is not too wide, is not too long. And that way, when they do decide to really get serious about their tennis, that they, uh, they, have, um, they have a good technical base and that they're able to close the gap and catch up to their peers. That's really important because if the gap is too big, your kid's going to feel frustrated and sometimes they feel hopeless sometimes that can backfire into a burnout situation the kid uh, is feels that they're so far behind they lose motivation it can be that can be damaging to a kid's psyche as well you know you don't hear people talking about that too much so make sure they don't fall too far behind use sports for what they're what for what they help with fill in the pockets uh, that are missing athletically and injury prevention wise and try to steer those kids into just one extra sport if possible. Try not to do like three or four sports because of the time issue. A uh, very inefficient way to do it that way. So that those would be my bottom line recommendations. So let's talk a little bit about my favorite sports for cross training. Soccer is probably one of the top. It's very popular. Soccer is great because it builds stamina and builds good footwork and movement. Let's talk about just a few of my favorites. 
I, what, what's one that I love that is underrated or under-discussed? I think martial arts is a really good one. You have to be careful with martial arts, not, not to get injured, obviously, because if there's sparring involved or live fighting, it can be quite dangerous. Uh, those sports can be quite dangerous. But any martial art, I think, is really good for kids. I always recommend to my my the families that I work with, the parents who I work with, the, to try to get their kids into martial arts, not only for the physical benefits, but also for the mental and emotional benefits. Many martial arts teach discipline. As you guys may know, I'm, I'm a big martial artist myself. I do a lot of mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu and boxing and kickboxing. and So this is a, a real passion of mine, a hobby of mine. I just think there's so many great benefits for children. Any martial art, karate, taekwondo, you name it, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but you have to be really careful on the injury side. And I just think from a, a mental and emotional point of view, martial arts fighting makes a child really tough. Boxing, kickboxing, any kind of spar. If you can get them into sparring, you're going to have a little warrior out there on the tennis court, and I just love that. So I always tell parents that if they can get the kid into martial arts, it's great. Obviously, the agility and coordination and flexibility aspects of martial arts are also huge benefits. So a huge believer in martial arts and I think many times parents don't think of martial arts as an option for children but it's in my opinion a really good one. I've had a lot of success with some of my students doing martial arts for cross training. I like basketball. I played a lot of basketball. I'm a big basketball fan. I think it's really good for the hands and the feet, good for the coordination. You know, in all these sports, you have to be careful about getting getting pushed or thrown down and getting hurt. Basketball is, um, you know, these sports are also good. Uh, the team sports are also very good for building character and, and building some of the, the you know, the, the, the personal values, the human values of, of a kid. So sometimes parents will put their kids into team sports so that they can learn to work uh, with others and so they can they can uh, develop better communication skills and things like that or maybe sometimes it's a, a good social outlet so there's there's other there's also many benefits to these team sports uh, aside from the athletic uh, benefits what other sports do I like you know I've had some of my students have had success in hockey I've had some really top national players who have cross trained in hockey believe it or not Problem with hockey is it's really expensive. There's a lot of equipment. Got to get to the ice rink. I find it's not as efficient uh, a sport as some, and it's expensive. That's that's sort of a, a negative on hockey. But it's actually very good cross training for tennis because it, you you learn to skate on an unstable surface, the ice, and you you are manipulating a stick very similar to how you manipulate a racket. And it's great for the reactions, and, and it uh, has many physical benefits. Also, hockey players tend to be quite tough, which is always good on the tennis court. You don't want to develop a soft, marshmallow-type kid on the tennis court. You need to get a warrior out there. So hockey's good for that, especially if there's checking. Football's real good for that. You know, playing football, you have risk of concussions, you have risk of injuries, but, man, it makes a tough kid. Every kid that I've coached in tennis who played football or hockey, or any kind of contact sport, martial arts contact sport. They've been a soldier on the court. You know, I love, I love having kids like that. A kid tells me he played football, I love it. 
Kid tells me they, they uh, did karate for five years. Love that. Kid tells me that they, they played hockey. It's, that's great. Or lacrosse. You know, tough sport. A sport that has physical contact. Those kids are going to be little warriors on the tennis court. It's always good for me. Gymnastics is another one that I really love. Gymnastics is fantastic for tennis players. Doesn't really work the coordination with uh, like hand-eye, foot-eye that much, the way soccer or basketball does. But wow, develop develop gymnastics. The kids who I've coached who did gymnastics have a very good body awareness, very good flexibility, uh, very good agility, typically, and they're strong. You know, they have good uh, strength to weight. Uh, good strength to weight ratio. You know, so they're they're very athletic in that in those respects. You know, so I think gymnastics is excellent, especially for younger kids. That would be a great cross training sport if the kids like it. You know, again, you have to find what what your child likes. I would say to parents who I know we have a lot of parents who watch the show and listen to the podcast. Try not to force your kid into a sport because you think it's the best sport for them. Uh, to support their tennis. That's just bonehead. It's just bad, bad parenting. Just try, try to talk to your kid and find out what they like. You know, a, the kid's going to tell you what they like. My kids, you know, I had all sorts of ideas for my kids. I wanted them to play tennis. None of my kids play tennis. They play for fun, but none of them play seriously. And, and I, I would never try to force them to play uh, tennis competitively if they didn't want to or in any organized way. But ask your child, just sit them down and talk to them, communicate with them and say, hey, you know, we're, we know you love tennis. What's another sport that you'd like to play? And they'll, you know, they'll say, oh, I like soccer. I don't like soccer. I, um, you know, I like, um, we would like to try karate, you know, or I'd really like, I'd really like to be on the basketball team this year. I mean, like, just talk to your kid and, and suss it out that way. Figure it out that way. That's the best way to do it. And like I said, if the kid says to you, if your child says to you, you know, I don't really like any other sports. I just want to play tennis. Please don't discount that. Don't. That's a great piece of information, of intelligence for you. Go with that. Don't listen to the, to the doctors on that. Go with that and just make sure. Well, listen to the doctors in the sense that make sure you have a plan in place to prevent burnout and prevent injuries. And that they get good athletic, overall athletic uh, enhancement, you know, so do that. Listen to the doctors in that sense, but don't listen to the doctors in the sense that you say, oh, no, 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 you have to play multiple sports because you can't be a great athlete or you're going to burn out if you don't play multiple sports. Don't, don't think that way. That, that's misguided. Yeah, so there's many other sports, guys. You can always leave me a comment and let me know what sports you love. I, it could be a long list, but I think those are those are good. Any one of those are good. The most important thing is that the sport that your kid enjoys, so it's a healthy outlet for them. And then to figure out whatever they love to do, figure out the positives and negatives athletically and in terms of, of injuries for your child, injuries or injury prevention, and then uh, supplement the supplement, supplement the, the supplemental sport with some injury prevention program or and or uh, some athletic enhancement training. If you do that, you're, you're really on a, a healthy road, a road to, and a road to success, I believe. All right. We have one grab bag from the mailbox, or it's from our mailbox segment. 
At the end of the show, I have my buddy Tomas. I think it's Tomas from Tomas. Where are you from? You're from Europe. I think Tomas is from Europe. He likes to send me an email with the question for the week. So I think Tomas had a question about open stance versus closed. Where in the court should you use open stance versus closed? And so, in general, it's it's a pretty easy question to answer in my mind. In general, when the player, I like to tell my players when they're in the center of the court and they, they can move forward to try to step in with the closed or neutral stance. And I try to differentiate that from when they're moving laterally to the sides of the court. So from the baseline, I try to encourage a semi-open to open stance when players are, are moving wide. That can be with the back end too. Uh, and that will aid in the recovery. And it can also aid in power production. You can, you can load and lift off the ground with the semi-open and open stances. And I like to have a balance. So I like to also teach my students to have a good forward stance where they step in, whether you want to call that close or neutral. I think that players should master both. And especially with young players, it doesn't matter the age, but especially with young players, I like to teach both in, in concert together. Uh, so I never like to, you know, some coaches always say teach close. Some coaches, coaches are really adamant about teaching open stance. And I just think you should master all of those foot skills and everything, you know, all the stances there. I think that's a smart way to develop children. And in another situation, moving forward, when you're moving forward into the midcourt, typically on lower balls that are farther away, you use a closed stance or a neutral stance. You step down into the court because it gets you closer to the ball. And when the ball is rising up higher and it's closer to you, so the distance is not as great, that's when you see players typically load and explode with the open stance or semi-open stance. So that is also another key differentiator. When the ball is lower and farther in front, farther away, let's say near the service line, typically players will have to close that gap. They'll have to close that distance by sprinting and then stepping forward with their, for a right hand, let's say for a forehand, that would be with the left foot in a close or neutral stance for a right-handed player. So you, you sprint up to the ball and if it's low and short, you typically will step forward into that shot. And if the ball sits up more, it's a little closer to you distance-wise, higher balls, typically you see players load and explode with in a more you would say maybe modern uh, forehand technique, let's say, for example. On the backhand, it's a little different. Backhand, midcourt to transition ball, uh, transition situation, transition ball is, is typically still closed. It's, it's closed and neutral. Uh, the players will often jump up into a short ball, but you don't see as many players setting up with an open stance or semi-open stance, load and explode on the backhand on transition balls. There are some other foot, foot skills involved there. There is a, a diagonal, diagonal power step sometimes that, that, that you see. So you'll set up in a semi-open and then you'll, you'll lunge or power step diagonally forward into the, into the close uh, stance. So it's sort of a, a, a combo hybrid deal. Sometimes you'll see that. So it'll be an open stance or semi-open stance set up with a, a, a closed stance lateral uh, lateral drive of the of the opposite leg 
So you, you do see that configuration sometimes on the transition, but, but typically the transition is closed to neutral with a front foot hop. I teach that all the time to my students. The front foot hop is a fundamental skill on transition when you're moving into the midcourt. I know Tomas had a question about midcourt as well. I do teach the second variation, the semi-open stance with explosion uh, on higher balls and also balls where you're moving to the side. So if you have a mid-court ball where you're moving to the side of the court near the singles sideline, that tends to be semi-open because you load off the outside leg there. It, it tends to be more comfortable for players rather than closing up their hips when they're uh, far out to the side of the court on a shorter ball. So I hope that helps, Tomas. Let me know if you have any follow-up questions about the foot, those footwork situations and the stances. It is a very common question when to use open, when to use close, when to teach which stance, which stance should you teach first. You know, I think you should teach both first. And I have a problem when I, have, uh, I see coaches only teaching closed. I've seen that a lot, especially with young children. And I also have um, a concern when I see coaches teaching only open stance. Uh, especially because we don't have conclusive evidence on it, but many coaches are worried about injuries to the hip if players are using excessive open stance uh, from a young age. And I am also concerned about that. So I like to see my players close up their stance when they can. I like to see at least a 50-50 deal. And I, I definitely don't like to see pure open stance in a little kid all the time because of the potential injury risk. So please be careful with that. Try to encourage your players to use the closed stance when it's appropriate and teach them both stances or all, all, all three of the, the, the whole range of stances from closed to semi-open to open so that they can have um, all of the foot skills they need depending on what situation they're in. All right, guys, it was a really good show. I hope I was able to sort of condense that big debate on multi-sport and early specialization training. It's a complex discussion. I, I, I hope I did it justice by simplifying the matters as much as, as much as possible. But I just wanted, if I wanted the show to be good and useful for, for if there was a parent watching or a coach watching who wasn't sure how to train uh, their player that they would have some guidance on that, the way that, uh, the way that I, uh, the, the guidance that I give to my students and, my, and the families that I work with and the parents that I work with. So I, I hope I was able to make that somewhat clear to you. If you have any questions about your own personal situation, please feel free to email me or message me. I'm always available to the audience uh, to give advice. I, I, that's why I would do the show. I enjoy giving advice to families out there and coaches and players. So if you have a specific situation, you're not sure whether your son or daughter should uh, play this sport or that sport, or you're not sure how many hours a week they, uh, your child should play in tennis, uh, de um, depending on their age. You know, these are very, very common questions that parents have, and rightfully so. These are very important decisions that you need to make for your child, because at the end of the day, you don't want your child to get injured. You don't want your child to burn out from tennis. You want your child to become the best athlete they can be. All, all parents want that, and all coaches should want that as well. But at the same time, you don't want to hinder your child's tennis development. You want to give them the, 
the best pathway they can have to reach to become as good a player as they can be, to reach their highest lifetime UTR. And I just think the way the current recommendations are, many children will, will reach a, 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 a mediocre UTR. I, I, they will underperform and they won't reach the highest possible lifetime UTR that they could if they followed more of the, more of the, the recommendations along, along the guidance that I'm giving. So, guys, it was a great show. We have some cool stuff coming up. We have the summer camp, which we're, in the, we're busy with, with the sign-up season. So if you have uh, a child and you'd like to train with me in the summer in the beautiful mountains of Vermont, we have a very serious high-performance camp there. Please get in touch with me. You can email or call me or text me. And I'd be happy to discuss summer with you. We have a, an exciting footwork workshop that we're filming this coming Monday. So I'm very excited. I, I will... Let you guys know more info about that, but uh, it will be a great event. We're hosting that at my club in Vermont. It's at the Chris Lewitt Tennis Academy in Londonderry, Vermont. It's on. It's coming up this Monday. We still have space. If you're listening to this a podcast or you wa- you're watching the show, there's still time. It's Thursday night, and we are doing the footwork workshop on Monday. We've Got about, I think, 10, 10 or so participants right now, so I'm excited. We have some coaches and parents and some players coming. We'll spend the whole day on learning my footwork system and developing world-class footwork and movement. I think it's going to be very good, very practical, a lot of on-court work. So let me know if you'd like to come to that workshop. That's on Monday, the this coming Monday, I think is the... 17th, 18th, I think it's the 18th, I'll have to check on that, this coming Monday, <laughs> and what else we got come, going on, we have some exciting tournaments coming up at the club, we have a qualifier for the Paris World Championships, we're hosting that at my club in April, so I'm super excited about that, it's a U14 Vermont State Qualifier, the winner of that tournament, or the top two will go on to the Nationals in Washington, D.C., and they will have a chance to qualify for the, the World Championships U14 in Paris. So that's coming up in April. And we've got a ton of UTR tournaments in the summer. So if you do come to the summer camp, we have, we've set up uh, verified UTR events pretty much every weekend. So the, the kids who are there, the campers can train and also work on their UTR on the weekend. It's a fantastic setup. I think we have another uh, Paris qualifier over the summer for 2021, so that'll be the the future qualifier. The one in April is for the 2020 uh, event. So I'm just excited about all the the tournaments coming up at the club for the summer. And what other news do I have? I don't think I have any. Oh, we have two new courses coming out. If you go to our online school, clta.teachable.com, we have two new courses coming out. One is on the kick serve, and the other is all of is is we filmed about 30 live private lessons with me on court and they came out really well and we're going to put those into a library for you guys. For those, I have a lot of coaches who study with me and follow my work. So if you're a coach or a parent who's interested in, in developing your, your knowledge about how to run private lessons and uh, learning my method, the way that I work with students, That'll be a really good course. It's, it's more than 30 videos that we've done of my own uh, private lessons on the court. 
I think those will be that'll be really good. I know the kick surf course will be really popular. There's a lot of poor information out there on how to build a kick surf, so I'm excited to you know offer my own online course that'll I promise you will be very good quality. It'll be my whole kick surf system. I think we did it from the workshop. We did a whole yeah, it's a one day workshop and we filmed it and that's going up online very soon. And then we will be also putting the the new footwork workshop that will be going online as well so we got some new online stuff coming out in 2020 you can always check that out at our online academy clta.teachable.com so guys thank you for tuning in i appreciate all the waves i appreciate the the uh, the support that you guys are are giving the show and for helping us grow please share the show with friends and you know give me give me likes and and thumbs up whenever you can i appreciate it God bless. Have a good night. We'll see you on the next show. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt, and the show can be watched live on Facebook. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the show. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Vamos!